Welcome to the England Rugby Pod. Thanks for downloading episode 80. Big Billy is back. Surely everything in England rugby is fine. You're listening to the England Rugby Pod, the rugby podcast that believes England will win the World Cup in 2019. Hey guys, uh, welcome back. Um, new episode as promised. Um, and of, of course, I'm joined by Dan in the room this time. Dan. I know, I know. I've had a trip to uh, England Rugby Pod HQ, so it's good to be in the room together. The, the initial plan was obviously for us to be in the same room together so we could be, be interviewing the pod doc. Unfortunately, the pod doc apparently has prioritised patience over us, which That's is... crazy. It, it just seems a bit ridiculous, doesn't well, it? Yeah, it's, 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 you, you can't get the staff these days. But never mind, we will have the uh, pod doc on soon. So this week, we I think, I think we mentioned that concussion was something we wanted to bring up. Obviously, I think it makes sense if we wait till we have the audience with the pod doc, who will speak about this a lot, a lot more knowledgeably than we will. Yeah, well, we've obviously got our opinions and, and that's great. But yeah, we want we want someone who can add a little bit of credibility to uh, e- either to support our arguments or to completely um, kind of destroy them and, uh, and shut us up. Which I suspect is probably the route he's going. Absolutely. However, so, we have got quite a few bits I, th- I think that are worth covering today. Um, sh- should we start on a, a positive? And I mean a positive from a perspective of a career. And... Um, it, it's always sad when someone retires, but it's great that she's retired on her own terms. So an absolute legend of England rugby, uh, Danielle Waterman. Uh, she was has retired uh, from international rugby. She retires with over 15 years playing for England, 82 caps, 47 tries, which is a hell of a return. She took part in four World Cups and was a World Cup winner in 2014. So... Uh, Danielle, if, you, if you're listening, if this gets you, congratulations on an excellent career. And I know you're carrying on playing rugby uh, sort of at the, at the top level from a club perspective. But um, yeah, congratulations on an excellent England career. Well said. Thank you very much. <laughs> well said. So she was uh, she was the one. I don't know if you remember when we were listening to the Women's World Cup. And she was the one where we both said she shouldn't be playing in the England women's team. She should actually be on the Lions tour. I remember her being an absolute legend. She just cut open defences. Um, so it would be a shame for England women's rugby to lose her. But obviously, you know, it's great that um, she's had such a long career and she can still carry on playing rugby. And, you know, we wish her the best in her, her next steps, whatever they may be. Without wanting to cast any kind of shadow over any of this... Um, and, and I might be completely wrong because they may have changed the rules. But last time we were talking about women's rugby, we were we were obviously talking about the fact that it was losing its professional status. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that's still the case. Yeah, so there, there was an article the other day where they were saying that sooner rather than later, the women should start getting paid at club level, which is great. So I actually don't know what happened. So I know that the England women's 15s team lost... It sort of professional status or lost getting paid for the 15th because they were putting together, they were paying uh, professionals for the sevens for the Commonwealth Games, which has obviously now happened. So now that the Commonwealth Games has been and gone, I actually don't know what the scenario is. It's probably worth looking into to see are they now going to start paying the 15th team again? Are they now going yeah, well, to? Yeah, because I'm assuming that someone like Danielle is probably getting paid by a club. Uh, no, they're not getting paid at the moment. Actually. Oh, really? The, the clubs aren't paying their players at the moment. So 
that they're saying hopefully sooner rather than later they're going to start paying with but at the moment I don't think it's sustainable for the clubs to be able to pay their players I mean it's only the first season of yeah. this league so very soon and rightly so hopefully the women will start getting paid and say more more yeah more from the international stage yeah yeah absolutely so moving on to uh so the men's side of the game it looks like we've got our top four in the premiership which are extra and saracens who are both guaranteed home games uh extra no major surprises in either of those well i can't i, I also can't see anyone else winning it but them at no, the moment no. but the other two who are guaranteed the playoff spot are Newcastle and Wasps. It's just a case of them deciding who's third, who's fourth. Yeah. Um, which which will decide this weekend. Newcastle, great job. Um, they've not, they haven't got enough in the tank, have they? I, I just... It, it's hard to know. So, at the moment, they're third. So, let's say it's, it finishes as is. They're away to Saracens. Uh, Allianz Park, it's a big arse. They're a good team and they've had a brilliant season. Uh, and it, it's great. It's sort of great for rugby that they come up. It's almost a kind of extra story with, you, you know, they've got a lot of players who help them get promoted. Yeah. And they're moving forward. I, Dean I, Richards. I, I, done I, can't, great I, I'd, I'd more, I'd, I could see Wasps doing Exeter. Not that I think they will, but, I, but that far more than Newcastle doing Saris. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think you know the Wasps Exeter game. It, you know, in some ways, it would be it would be quite. I like I like Exeter, and I'd love to see them go all the way again. But uh, in some ways, you know, it's Haskell's last season with Wasps. Yeah. You know, we're both massive fans of James. It would be quite nice to see him go out with a bang. And and you know, what what better way to do it than to to? I mean, obviously, beating Exeter only gets you half halfway uh, halfway there. But um, you know, they they they've got what it takes to do it. I just. You know, I think the others, both the other sides, have got more in the tank. And <clears throat> what what's need to shore up their defence in attack, they can be brilliant. Um, but Haskell, you say go out for bang. Well, according to him, that's not allowed in professional rugby these days. He's been fairly vocal, hasn't he? On he has. What did he? What did he say? Rugby's gone soft or, or pathetic? I think he was <laughs> where he is. Pathetic sport, <laughs> uh, and he feels like he's bowing out at the right time. I mean, is this him saying, you know, I'm I'm done? Like I know that we know he's. Not when and he's and he's looking elsewhere, but does it does it maybe it was a weird choose of it was a weird way to phrase it, wasn't yeah. it? Because from what we know, and as far as I'm aware, it's still a hundred percent the case, he fully intends on playing top Premier League rugby, well, Premiership wants, rugby wants next season. Cup. Yeah, for, for the World Cup. But it, it definitely left uh, a, a, a kind of impression where I was thinking, oh, has Eddie Jones said something to him? Has he, has he maybe said yeah. You know, you don't have an England career anymore and he's starting to think, what am I doing? I'm at, I'm at a certain age. and or, or is it just that, you know, he was fired up at the end of the game and it was, and he was purely talking about bowing out of the Wasps side? I, I don't know. Cause I, it, the way he phrased it did make me wonder because also we haven't heard what club he's going to, but then we haven't with Cipriani either. Mm-hmm. Uh, although there are the rumours with Cipriani going to Bath, which could be interesting. Although... So firstly, from a Bath perspective, um, it, it it's kind of weird because they've got Freddie Burns and they've got Reese Priestland. So they've got two top quality tens. For me, Danny Cipriani actually now more than ever needs to find a club where he's going to be playing week in, week out. Because, mate, I mentioned this to you earlier, George Ford's form at the weekend was, it, it, this season it's not been great. 
And quite frankly, Weekend, he was an absolute pussy. Like, he, his defence was awful, mm. which is a shame because... And we, we keep saying, oh, in attack, in attack. But that's not good enough at no, international you still rugby. Need a game. You still yeah. have to be able to do everything. I mean, Danny Cipriani's no Johnny, but, like, in defence. But, it, you, you know, less and less do you hear complaints about Danny Cipriani's defence, whereas George yeah. Ford's defence is coming massively under the limelight. And, and it's a worry. I mean, we've had this conversation on many occasions. We'll have it on many more, I'm sure. Um, but is looking for a replacement for George Ford the solution if, if in fact, his form continues to dip or, or remains low? Or do we have his replacement right now and currently playing 12 in, in Owen Farrell? I don't know, mate. Do we have, I, I feel like we have more options to put together combinations in the centres than we do to bring in a new fly-half yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I mean, my, my the only reason I, from a personal level, am hesitant is because I like seeing that 10-12 uh, combo with, with the two ball players or whatever. I mean, we not that you couldn't them. do that still. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's no reason why, just because you do that, you have to then bring in a two Alangi at 12, which you may well do. But, you know, mm. you, you could... You could replace Farrell at twelve and move Farrell to yeah, ten yeah. rather than no, absolutely. necessarily change it up completely. No, absolutely. I and the reality is, like Eddie Jones doesn't like Danny Cipriani. He can say what he wants, but clearly he doesn't. What uh, yeah, you think? He's just Eddie Jones. I and I, I'm not quoting him because I haven't spoken to a man. But I'm pretty sure every night he goes home and says to his wife, "Danny Cipriani's a bellend," but. It, for some reason, he's not his cup of tea. He's not going to pick him, which is a shame because Danny Cipriani, to me, is just such... Like, I love watching that guy play. I just think he's so awesome to watch play. He's a brilliant player. Um, and, and actually, as you know, I, I always say the Mickey saying he's a bit of a bit of a tall. But I only say that based upon no knowledge. And by all accounts, he's not at all. By all accounts, he's actually a really good bloke. But um, I think he just has to keep, uh, you know... I think the England thing, if it's if it's if there's still an opportunity, I think he he needs to forget about it, and and if it happens, it happens. And he and as you say, you know, he needs that club where he gets to play regular rugby, and then he needs to go out and he needs to be, to to perform. And I think you know, form speaks volumes, particularly in a position like number ten. Yeah. You know, you, you can talk about back row players who are in form who aren't being selected, and everyone's going, why the hell not? But I think if you're a number ten who's absolutely bossing it, it's very difficult to be ignored. It's it's so difficult, but he has been bossing it for a little while, Cipriani, like especially in attack. But maybe that's also the fact that Wasps Wasps attacking form is just unreal. Like they are the best attacking team in the Premiership, and and they're a joy to watch. To be frank, like, I, I really enjoy watching Wasps play when they're uh, when they're on fire. But this is going to be interesting. So. We've actually said, we said when we know the top four, we'll pick uh, who we think our squad is for the England match. What we're going to do, we're going to wait till next week for this because, firstly, a week tomorrow, the England squad's announced. Week today. A week. I thought it was a week firstly. Yeah, that's today. A week today? Because <laughs> we record and um, go live in real time, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, a week today, the squad is announced. Oh, silly me, me, me and my calendar. Um, so a week today, the squad's announced. So next week, when we, uh, when we are doing our pod, we will mention who we think will be on that, who we think will be on that tour. And we'll also know, not that this makes any difference at this stage, to be honest, but we'll know exactly... 
who the top, like we know who the top four are, we know what position they'll finish. Again, that makes no difference whatsoever. But on that, I have no idea how they're going to pick. Because I'm hearing quite a few professionals now saying, based on England's form, you have to take the main players. You have to take the Farrells. You have to take that. I mean, I disagree. But, you know, these guys clearly know a bit more than I do about it all. So, I mean, are they talking about, based on, on form and, you know, about going out there and getting results? Yeah, they're talking about England rugby form rather than individual form. But what I mean is that are they talk, they're talking about if you want to win in South Africa, then you need to take the best players. No, I, I think it's more along the lines of, I think it's more along the lines of, like, England rugby have had whatever you want to call it. They've had a dip, they've had a... Yeah, I mean, we know, called wobble. it. We, we said, you know, pre-Six Nations, when the assumption was that England were going to win the Six Nations, possibly even do another Grand Slam, yeah. this tour would be another test, testing ground. Yeah. And we said, given the results of the Six Nations, it's going to be very difficult to leave the Lions behind, you know, to rest these guys. And it's a catch-22, because as you've pointed out on numerous occasions, you know, these guys are exhausted. You know, I, I think one of the points you, you were planning to make is to do with Sam Underhill, you know, who is officially exhausted as a result of this, the work he's been doing with England. Um, so they, they're, there are guys that need to be rested, but England also needs to know where the hell it's going and. Uh, a big part of that is is having the key the key guys. I still think I still think you can risk results to say look there are certain people Owen Farrell, Maratoje, um, who who you don't need to see so, prove themselves. So, so my argument is Owen Farrell might need to go, and I know I'm massively backtracking here because right. Dylan Hartley's out. Yeah, you need a leader. We need a leader and. Dylan Hartley is long from guaranteed a place coming up to the World Cup, especially with, you know, the forms of likes of Luke Cowan Dickey. If him and Jamie George go out there and nail it, possibly uh, Dylan Hartley's might struggle and the form of Northampton. Dylan Hartley might struggle to be in the squad. So then is Owen Farrell the next captain? At the moment, I don't really see another option. I mean, like Billy 12 trees. Billy, Billy T, Billy T could definitely be in with a shout. Uh, but no, joking aside, I mean, uh, Mako, I think, is the leader in the forwards. Is he a possible captain? We've both said not, not sure. Is Mako the leader in the forwards? I think so. I think so. I think he certainly was possible. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. No, I don't, I don't see Mako as captain. Um, I keep saying Longstreet. Why does no one listen to me? I think because you can get, again, you end up with the same problem as you have with with. Uh, Hartley, which is, is he guaranteed a position? And that's not that's not to take anything away from how good Launchbury is. But, you know, we know there are three or four guys competing for that for, for that, the second row spots. And yeah, Speaking of which, uh, George Cruz is out for tour now as well, isn't he? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, <laughs> not that, not that changes for the World Cup. Two, but... two of the four are out, yeah. So, again, do you, do you take a toje or do you say, actually, this is an opportunity to blood a few, a few you know, Nick Isekwe, people like that? Yeah, um, I don't I say take people a like Toje. That. There's a few. If you're not taking a Toje either, then, you know, or do, or do you take someone like a Toje and tell him to go and, you know, look, you're young, you can hack it better than some of the, the older boys. Go out there and also, we're going to throw captaincy on your shoulders. We want to see how you cope. I don't know, I don't know. But either way, let, let's wait. Let's, let's wait for next week where we'll... Uh, we're going to predict. We're going to have to predict the captain as well, though. So we're going yeah, yeah, to do that. We'll, part, we'll part have to go through it. Side. Because... But like, like you say, I mean, still, I, I said let's wait, but still on this point, like you were saying about Sam Underhill, uh, Toby Booth, Boothy, my old uh, coach at the mighty Scrimstead, 
Um, he has said, now the bar forwards coach, obviously, he has said Sam Underhill is broken from a last England training camp. They can't take him. He's not even back fully training with Bath yet. Whether Ed, Ed, Eddie Jones will do what he wants to do. Eddie Jones isn't going to do it based on that. But that's the point. If he is broken from that, you do need these guys to rest. If these England camps are going to be that brutal, but it has that effect on the players, if you are, after a long season, taking the guys who have come off a full season plus a Lions tour, it could be, it could be devastating. Uh, yeah. So, how long is an England camp? So, a long uh, well, weekend? Well, 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 it massively varies, doesn't it? Like, a Six Nations. So, you've you got to look, like, the Six Nations, you've got to look, that's over a space of, sort of seven-odd weeks, isn't it? Oh, no, but this is England, when I said, I mean, like, a, a training camp. Well, so, so a training, if they, if they do a specific training camp, it tends to be three, four days. Yeah. I just, I'm, I just, I'm, I'm reading a lot of stuff where, you know, it's sort of saying, and Sam Underhill's a prime example, you know, he, he came back broken from an England training camp, he needs to be rested, and I'm thinking... He's referring to the Six Nations as a whole. Is he, though? Yeah. Or he, is he referring to a training camp, and he's saying that Eddie Jones pushes them too hard in training? No, he's saying he's broken after the last England training camp. The last time Sam Underhill was with England was at the Six Nations. So I don't think he's saying he's broken from a January training camp. I think he is. I think, he is. I think, he, I think he's saying those three days <laughs> oh, right. have broken him. Absolutely. And, and I'm just him. I'm just thinking, you know, if, he, if 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 three days is all it takes, then um, the problems are slightly bigger. Yeah, the problems are slightly bigger. I mean, it, it's something that does need to be looked at because these guys are. Yes, I agree. You need to be the fittest team in the world. I can't believe rugby still hasn't seems caught on to that cotton on to this like when we won the World Cup 2003 the key objective make sure we're the fittest in the world New Zealand always do that want to be the fittest team in the world yes we have to be the fittest team in the world being the fittest team in the world doesn't necessarily mean going going and doing judo cams where prison yard rules are put in place and it's a beat the crap out of each other it can be you, you know there's ways to go about it but these camps and I think I think you can we can almost say with definite take their tolls on the player I mean we said during the Six Nations players they look tired Yeah, they did true. look tired these camps are brutal um, you, you know the thing about scrumming with Georgia and everyone's like yeah that sounds a good idea but a lot of the professionals were like uh, what? what why are you doing that like these guys are knackered beaten up after a game and then you've got a scrum where everyone is let's face it you're not holding back and, you know, while the other teams, so you look at the Irish players and how well they're playing. Sitting in baths and, you know, spa, spa days. Yeah, yeah, exactly, out of the town. <laughs> and then relying on uh, Johnny Sexton to drop a 45-metre drop goal to win a game against France in the opening match. That's a hell of a drop goal. Uh, but Ireland as a whole, you look at club rugby, the Irish but, teams. But, you know, actually, I just want to just quickly go back to that game because let's not forget that, yes, they won the game and obviously they went on to, to do the Grand Slam, including beating us, but... Jo- uh, Johnny Sexton kicked that goal because Ireland were going nowhere. Yeah. For for twenty minutes, fifteen minutes, you know, when they were desperately trying to get in position to, to take, you know, they they were trying to find a position to take that drop goal and they couldn't do it. And in the end, it was t- it took a moment of genius from one guy. And maybe that's what all the hard work comes down to. It's for when you're in those games in a vital scenario and having the ability to kind of grind out that win and and make those yards, those those vital yards. When you're exhausted, you know when the attrition is kicking in, and you know, and, and Ireland couldn't do it. Well, I mean, they did in the they, end. They, well, they did, but, but and, and fair play to them. But it was 
an individual. It was one guy out of 15. It wasn't a team effort. And, you know, if, if had they started 10 metres further back, I don't think they'd have ever got to that point where he was in range. No, I, so, I agree. That crossfield kick still blows my mind. How <laughs> he yeah. did that. No, no. But, and what went through his head to, to, like, to, to think this is a good idea? I well, mean, it worked I, out, so it's an easy one. But it's, it's like your classic kick for the corner, isn't it? Yeah. If it goes wrong, if you don't score the try, everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. But when it works, even though it was the wrong call, everyone thinks it's, you know, it's a genius decision. I'm trying to think of an incident where it I didn't work, that, where that, you kicked for the corner. Chris Robshaw, 2015 World Cup versus Wales. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, it's, he, here's the thing. So I'm not saying that it's wrong to have a brutal training camp. And yes, it might be needed. What I'm saying is... These, they're humans. They need recovery time. You can't just... Uh, well, Johnny's not, but the others are. But Samaro? Samaro, I didn't think was human, but this season I think there might be a human more, element more human. to him. Still awesome. Um, but Part man, part machine. Exactly, exactly. Half, half. But you, you still need... If, the, if it's just non-stop and yeah. they're not getting the time... To fully recover, like be it mentally, be it physically, that's when I think you need to look at it. I'm by no means saying you can't have these absolutely insane training camps where you push them to the limit. Because, like you say, in a game, the last few minutes, sometimes that's for sort of money in the bank that you can rely on. But if if that's all you're doing, and then you're just turning up and you're like you're absolutely exhausted, does that add value? You know, I, I don't disagree. I, I, another question I got for you then is, um, is it is it England that's putting this uh, this sort of additional pressure on these players, or do the clubs have a responsibility to be resting their players? You know, because the clubs are, the clubs are the ones that are wanting them to play week in week out throughout the throughout the season. The clubs pay them. The, the clubs are the well, clubs. So does England. Best. England paid them. England played the pay the people who play. Yeah, and it's an honour to represent. No, the clubs... Quite and a lot I, of money. <laughs> I actually think the clubs... I think the clubs do it fairly well. I think the clubs do rest their players. But from a club perspective, you've got to look at it. And, like, Saracens have a good rotation system. But if you're if you're the CEO of Saracens, whose name escapes me, you're thinking, I pay this guy six, £700,000 a year. If I, don't, if I rest him, great, he might be good. But also... To pay that money, the reason I pay these guys so much money is so we bring in big crowds. Mm-hmm. You bring in the bigger crowds by playing your star players. People are more interested yep. in see. So from a, from a club's perspective, that commercial aspect does have to come into it. I truly believe England needs to sit down with the clubs and come to some sort of agreement. I'm not saying do it exactly like Wales, exactly like Ireland. But England can say whatever. We're, like Wales, I think it's 60-40. Um, I've... I mean, I can't remember which one. I think actually Wales pay 60% of the fees and the clubs pay 40 It could be the other way around. It's crazy that England don't do this. I, I think they should. how much money they've got. Yeah, and, and I truly believe now's the time they can sit down with the clubs and say, look, do you know what? Let, let's come to this agreement. And as a result, England can manage the players, not fully because the clubs are still playing with but a lot more, so they can manage their rest periods a lot more. And it takes the financial burden off the clubs a bit more as well, yeah. which, I, which I think is really important. Um, do, do I think it'll happen? I don't know. I, 
The RFU, I know very little about, actually, the English RFU. You have to think, like, you know, we were having this conversation two years ago. Uh, it wasn't nearly as extreme as it is now. It's, it's, it seems to be just getting, becoming more and more and more of a problem. Yeah. There, there is going to come a point where something is going to snap, uh, figuratively. And surely at that point, there will be no choice. This, this will be the solution. Yeah, but we, we want this. Unless someone comes up, unless someone comes up with something new that we haven't thought of, and which no, is fair, fair enough. I hope, you know, I'd love to hear hear some ideas, and, and you know, we'll t- when, when we discuss the concussion stuff because it it's kind of leads in. It's part of this the same uh, the same debate, really. You know, we'll we'll talk about things that we think we can do, and, and by that I mean we'll put pressure on the pod doc to come up with a solution that no one else has yet been able to come up with. Um, it's about time he did something for uh, us, and, and expect and expect him to deliver. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's clearly something is needed. It it, it is needed. The the, the worry now is the, these conversations I clearly aren't going to happen and aren't going to happen before twenty nineteen. So now I think it's the time, and I'm sure England can sit down and still chat with the clubs, England coaches with the clubs, and I I know they do have these conversations, and they still can discuss. About player player welfare is obviously key, and 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 I don't think anybody is. I'm not at all accusing England or clubs because I don't think I don't think anyone's that bad with regards to their neglecting player welfare purposely. Mm. But it's not just about player welfare from injury; it's sort of the mental side as well. Just they need to have a chance to say, actually, these guys do need a bit of time off. There's a World Cup. A World Cup's massive. But you can't just go flat out from the last World Cup to the next one four years straight because you're trying to build this ultimate team. You still need to say to the guys at some point, do you know what? Have a full summer off. Go away with your mates. Go away with your family. Have a great time. Just completely just take rugby off the agenda. Just don't have rugby as your be-all and end-all in your life. I mean, everyone needs that. Like in whatever form of work you do, you you know you need that sometimes where you can just completely forget it, go away and, and refresh. And this, I, I truly believe this is where England are falling short compared to uh, our counterparts. And I and I'm talking more Northern Hemisphere here, especially when you look at the Irish. I mean, I think the Irish are doing this so well at the moment, and look and look at the rewards it's it's coming up with. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Look. The more I think about it, and, and as you know, as you said, we're, we're going to put our, our predictions together for next week. But I think you do. I think you. I think you do say. Do you know what? Half the half the lions, half the English lions are injured anyway. Yeah. Um, the ones that aren't, I think you just say, look, we're resting. We're resting our lions, and yeah, it's going to leave gaps, uh, and and it's going to force us to to try out some things we maybe wouldn't have tried out. And if captaincy is one of them, great. We, we've talked so much about how England lack leadership, so what better way to find out where it exists than to say, look, we're not bringing any of our leaders with us, so someone's going to have to step up. I'm with you, boss. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I I still like this tour in my head. I still like this tour as as not a testing ground, but a proving ground. I think, well, I think it's 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 become that because yeah. of because of situations out of out of Eddie or anyone else's control. I think, you know, the reality is it's clear that there are guys that he would love to take who are a big part of the England setup who need to rest. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the problem with doing this on the, you know, a Lions year. And um and so I think, you know, it's it, it's that that it's been forced. Uh and yeah, it's, it's not ideal the year before a World Cup, but it is what it is. And actually the autumn internationals are far more important. 
Yeah. They're, they're taking on a massive place with now, New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think yeah, go out there. It's not like you say. It's not a. It's not. It's a proving ground, not a testing ground. It's not about trying out unknowns who have never been seen before and going. Go on, you're a youngster. Put on an England shirt and and go and see what you can do. This is about saying, look, there's a whole load of guys with, with huge amounts of talent who haven't really been given a shot because there are perhaps better players in those positions. But now you've got an opportunity to to prove that maybe you're better. You know. You, this is your chance to see what you can do with it. But but that's the key. I, th- I think what you're saying, that's, that, that's the key. Like, And we said this the other week. That's great, but what we don't want and what we can't have is players going out there to get experience being in an England camp. You have to... No. If you're a player going out there, you have to be a possibility for a World Cup yeah, absolutely. spot. Um, but let's, let's look at this actually from a positive side for a second. So you were saying about Ireland, about Johnny said like... You have to dig deep. In those games where nothing's going on, you have to dig deep. You have to come together as a team, not not give away penalties, which England just did ridiculously in the Six Nations at the time. Actually, could this be exactly the sort of adversity that they need now? They suddenly they finished fifth in the Six Nations. Yeah. That still blows my mind and pisses me off. But they finished they finish fifth. They're now going to South Africa which at one point seemed an easy tour, but because yeah. of what South Africa are doing... And they're because like, of what's happening over here, you know, with England. Yeah, South Africa are now getting it's, a strong team out, likely. Yeah. We, we, we don't know, but South Africa have the ability to get out a very good team with, with great players and form. So South Africa have become a lot more tricky prospect, even with the full England contingency. So now it's like, right, guys, we're really up against it, plus our, plus our task ahead's got tougher is this the adversity that they need is this the adversity they need to come through to give them that mental strength to win a world cup i mean look, this is where you know leaders are, are going to be born isn't it and at the end of the day eddie jones has said there aren't enough of them in the england setup and where they're, they're, this is the way where you find them you're right leaders are going to be born they're <laughs> <laughs> very profound that, that, you, you can you can take that little soundbite next time i'm in the office in this meeting leaders are going to be born everyone will be like well, what are you doing dan you have a tea and coffee boy get out but it's uh, but but when you leave they'll say but he's right <laughs> he's right today is the day exactly leaders will be born um but yeah, it's like you can't but, deny it. But without, as much as you want to, without being too articulate as well. Okay, you are, you are kind of right. I think your sentiment is half right. Like, yes, people might need to step up and take on a bit more responsibility. Whether this is whether this is a the new film of 300 I'm not quite sure but you know good for you absolutely good for you ready your breakfast anyway. <laughs> um, should we move on yes yeah 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 let's um, I, I want to I wanted to chat a bit about and I say I say chat a bit looking at the England game as a whole what the hell is going on with Quinns man and the reason I bring that up is because they have an England contingent in it same with Northampton is that is, is that anything to do with England, England rugby, like England elite players? Is it, no. It, it's to do with it with regards to they have players, but... I don't think it's the England players within the Quinn set No, are, no, are no. So I, I, mean, I don't think that you've got these elite players who are too tired and therefore they're not doing a job for, for club and therefore club's struggling. I think 
I, I don't know the reasons behind it, but I think the, the club is going through a tough time. You know, was the wrong person in charge? I mean, he's gone now, or he's leaving. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, you know, quite possibly bringing someone else in will change things up, and and it's very difficult, isn't it? Because yeah, you look at that side. You know, Danny Kerr, Joe Marler, um, Kyle Sinclair, Chris Robshaw, Chris Robshaw Mike Brown. Yeah. Mike Brown. You know, you, it's not just. It's not. It's not even just that they're England players. You know, within that, you've got leaders. The um, leaders were born. The leaders were <laughs> born exactly. But you have Danny Kerr, Chris Robshaw, Mike Brown have all been captains or vice captains of England. Yeah. Joe Marler will never be a captain again of anyone ever. But you know, he's there. <laughs> yeah. Carl Singler's probably going down a similar route, but he's a lion. Yeah. Um. So yeah. And they're good players. They're still good players. Yeah, and that's not to take away from the from the rest of the the rest of the squad. They've, they have a, they have a strong side on paper. So I don't know uh, is the answer. So I, I think I think I'm probably looking at this in the wider because you look at Northampton. There's something going on there. I mean, I, I'm going to start using a few uh, a few classic cliches myself. I think, but you you look at sort of the the exiters. You look at Newcastle. They they are better than what they should be on Born paper. They, yeah, they they are more than the sum of their parts. Whereas, oh, that's nice. Whereas Quinns are less than the sum of their parts, a lot less. Uh, so in Northampton, in theory, yeah. they've they've both got some really good players, and a lot of this I think is down to mental attitude. I know Danny Care said with Quinns a, a change is needed, like to shake things up. Not necessarily. I I don't know. I, I have no idea about what's going on there, but it's not necessarily saying the coaching has been bad, but it's maybe the same message just year after year and, and there's something not quite resonating. Is for danger, and it's a question I've asked before, and I, I want to ask you again, because I'm starting to get more and more worried about it. Is for danger that these sort of attitudes that are going on, is there a danger of this leaking into the elite England team, England squad? How do we answer that question without knowing what the what the problem is? I mean, this this is for me this is the issue. Like something's not right. We're not quite sure what it is. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, as I said before, I don't think it's the elite players that are that are creating whatever the problem is. But that, again, that's a t- how you know that's a bit of a wild statement because. We know what the problem is, so... Yeah, it is tough. And, and I'm by no means saying it's these players' fault because I, I don't for a second believe that. But it's just worrying that there clearly is... This clearly isn't just a physical capability issue. No, there clearly is the mental sort of sort of issue going on that bit with regards to how motivated are they to go out there and play their best. I mean, Quinn's against Worcesterwood, it was just woeful. I mean, I, I, I was a little bit embarrassed for them at the time, taking nothing away from Worcester, but Quinns didn't want it. It was like, like I said about George Ford, and I am a George Ford fan, but he just didn't want it. And, and Leicester had everything to play for as well. Yeah. I, I, was, I, I was really disappointed in that. And you look at Leicester, because they made some big signs, like Johnny May, George Ford, the first time in 14 years or whatever it is, they've missed out on a top four spot. And it worries me that we've got elite England players involved in these types of scenario. And I'm not saying it's their fault. Oh, but, 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 you know, George Ford. Yeah. You know, he's one of them. And, yeah, yeah. And, and he's one of the problems as well. So, 
Yeah, I, it, you know, it's not it's not limited to, to the non elite players. So I, it's not even like it's you know, the elite player. You, know, you ask the question: Is it going to leak into the elite setup? I, I don't think it. I think I think it's already there if it's if it's a thing that could. Do you know what I mean? Like it. I, I don't know. It's difficult because it, without knowing exactly what's going on. Is it just because it's a Lions year? You know, let's not forget that, that yes, the Lions went uh, to New Zealand, but at the same time, um, you know, the England players and, and you know, those that were left, but also a whole load of others, they went on a tour of their own. So there's been a lot of rugby played outside of just the Lions. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they've all had a pretty tough season. Yeah, it's tough. I've, I think, again, and I keep using Ireland, I think that... The thing that worries me, but again, this may be the whole, this is how they get through the adversity. You look at a lot of the Ireland team, the Ireland players, they're all coming from a really positive club environment to a really positive international environment. And you can see, you can tell. Whereas not all of the England team, because you've obviously got England players and Exeter and Saracens, but a lot, a lot of them. And But there's still a worry that if you've got some England players who, let's face it, recently are coming from a really poor negative club environment, to what's been recently a poor England environment. Yeah. And are, there, are these players, are these the guys, like regardless of Lions, are these the guys who maybe need the summer off away from rugby? Yeah, I mean, but take Dylan Hartley as an example. You know, for, yeah. for a long time, he was coming from a poor club environment to a, to a very strong international environment. And, you know, Eddie Jones was one of the first to come out and say, I don't, I'm not interested in what he's doing for the club. I'm interested in what he does for the country and what he does for the country is excellent. So... There clearly is an ability to, to separate the two. It doesn't look like it right now, you know, following the Six Nations. Mm. Um, yeah, it's... it's uh, I think, yeah, resting is required over the summer. And I think, you know, we really, this really needs to be re-looked at next season. I don't know. I, I think without being able to, you know, hit the nail on the head as, as to what the problem is, I don't think you can, there is a solution. So as a rugby fan... I can't wait for this tour because I want to watch England play rugby in South Africa and so on. As a advocate, a massive advocate of England winning the World Cup in 2019, still 100% believe that this summer would have been great for there to be no oh. tour. But that was never going to happen. Yeah. So, let, you know, it's, it's a bit of a ridiculous comment because it wasn't going to happen because commercially they just wouldn't allow that. But... If that had been the case, if England had been... I mean, the RFU wouldn't do it because you just lose too much money and you can't do it. But if they had have just said, do you know what, there's not going to be sort I think that would have been spot on for the England team. Everyone could have finished the season being like, right, we have a long time off to rest. I mean, the players still get that time. And then you go back to a full pre-season where you ease in. Because somebody said before, it's not that like those guys who go on the Lions tour, it's not that they come back and they don't get a rest. They do. But then they're pretty much coming into full-on rugby again. Yeah. Whereas if you finish end of the season, you've got the summer off. You then come back to pre-season where you gradually build up. It's not as if you're coming in to, right, we've got a, week, we've got a match in a couple of weeks. I, 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 we'll find out next week. But um, you know, maybe, maybe Eddie Jones has a trick up his sleeve. You know, maybe, maybe it's the sort of thing that he is just going to turn around and, and just say... Do you know what? I'm not taking anyone that's played before. I'm taking an entire squad of... Um, yeah, he's not going to do it, but... I bloody hope not, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you're saying you'd, you'd like to cancel the tour. No, not not cancel now. I'm saying if, if it was never going to happen, I think that would have been a good thing, but it was a ridiculous... Like, it, that just wouldn't have been the case, but... Is it, of all the people that have, that have led England and have the... You know, presumably they have a contract that gives them final 
decision making about all squad members and, and you know selection is it Eddie Jones if any the, the, the guy the coach that's going to say I don't care I agree with, with what everyone's saying that these guys need resting I'm not taking anyone that's that's a potential for my World Cup he, he could do I, I don't I don't for a second believe he will because it, it needs to there is that fine line now you've got those matches England rugby as a whole needs to put in a positive performance for the sake of for the sake of every part of England rugby, for the sake of getting England rugby back on track. Speaking of which, I was going to say, yeah, we're being ne- we're being negative. It's, it's time to get positive. It, it, it is time to get positive. I believe we'll come back. And the most positive thing ever, Billy is back. Boom. Billy is back and playing, and and he he came off the bench. We'll see. We'll see how he gets on in the next. Uh, I, I well, he's at least got two games because they've got the last game of the season and a semi final. Yeah. Possibly a few more. So, Billy, please, for the love of God, I know it's not your fault, but please don't get injured. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know none of that's your fault. Please, just, yeah, wrap him in cotton wool. Well, like, literally, wrap him in cotton wool because you are well I, I want him being stretched off the pitch when he's not injured. Just, just yeah, 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 to play yeah, yeah, yeah. safe. Yeah, I, I, I literally want him stretched on and off the pitch. As soon as he finishes playing, just claps on the floor, carry him into a changing room. Andy will go there himself and bath him and <laughs> and then stretch him home, put him to bed. Only when he's on the pitch is he allowed to move of his own sort of own yeah. accord. Uh, it's good. It's a, it's a it's a it's a massive lift, I think, for England and for England fans. Uh, yeah, I think it is. Um, and, and it seems crazy because you know a team is not made up of one person, but he is the kind of player that that raises the game. We've met, we've said plenty of times before. Raises the, the games of the people around him, and I think it's just going to be good for morale. It's going to be good from a supporter's point of view. Um, and he's he's one that, you know, despite everything we've been saying going backwards and forwards, yeah, he he has to go to South Africa, right? Yeah, I think so. For for him, in terms of he's had a lot of time off from from injury, um, and I think from England, for England, yeah, you could send Billy to, to South Africa and not worry too much about resting the others and the impact that it will have. People will be happy to watch just because Billy's back. Yeah, yeah, no, and and I think Billy. Billy, Billy just adds like, like like you say, just so much positivity. You see Billy in your team, you, you like you know you've got a smile on your face. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's that's maybe. I mean, is there anything else you particularly wanted to? Um, but the only other thing I wanted to mention is last week we mentioned about the American side, and we had some sort of feedback on that. Uh, Don again, I. I Don, I'm not entirely sure your name. I think it's Swarsenback, but you've like Don's been a long time listener, and and we'll, and we'll often sort of we'll often send us a message, and we'll, we'll sort of reply on Facebook. But thanks very much for your comments, Don. As as always, actually really appreciated. And some of the stuff you told us about the American side with regards to in the schools, it doesn't tend to be an either or. Like American football and rugby tend to take part within the same school. One might be um, fall, and one might be spring. But Don. Comments were awesome. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate comments from from you, Don, from everyone else who gets in touch. So, <coughs> hold on. So you're saying that that American, if you play American football in high school uh, in the states, you could play rugby as well in the off season. That, that that's the impression I got. Yeah. Do, do we think that there's probably, particularly at the elite uh, or the elite level, as far as high school sport goes, um, which we mentioned last week, is pretty high. Um, there's going to be guys who are told, no, 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 no you're not playing rugby. Don't, I, this is the, one, this is the off-season, you need to rest. We've talked a lot about resting today. Yeah. Um, and, and two, they don't wear padding. 
they're, they're far too tough. You can't go and play with them. I mean, you know. Yeah, I, I, it but, but, well. but joking aside, though, you know, is there a danger that, that actually the, the, some of these guys, you know, these elite sportsmen who are playing American football who would be awesome, you know, if taught how to play rugby are actually being told, no, you're not allowed to play rugby because you're too important to, uh, to the football side. It, it could be the case. I, I, I mean, look, it would be naive to say that American football won't take priority in, in there. So, so that could be the case. But it could also be the case that there's some guys playing American football who, who maybe haven't quite found their groove. Maybe, you, you know, maybe they're playing in the wrong position, whatever it might be. Get on a rugby pitch where suddenly it just clicks a bit more. They've still got the athletic ability. Uh, oh, uh, no doubt. But 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 you're leaving the best guys. But and this is the problem with trying to be, you know, and we're making the assumption that they want to be a world class, you know, top flight rugby side eventually. And I'm sure they do. I, I just don't think that happens until until you get create the mindset whereby this is considered a first choice, not a. Oh, I couldn't quite make it. Oh, I mean, football. I mean, rugby's not first choice in England, is it? I mean, football will. I don't know football is, mate. <laughs> it's, it's a sport. It's, it's, it's big amongst girls, actually. Okay. But I mean, I, I don't know anyone who plays football who's not a girl, actually. But it, it's it's a lot bigger amongst them. But it's. Is that one where they run around for 90 minutes pretending to be injured? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. It's, 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 it's supposed to be rugby they run around for 80 minutes pretending not to be injured. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Polar opposites. But. I mean, the, the, the American, yeah, it's, it's a long-term plan, but it's moving in the right way, which is great news. It's great news for world rugby. Um, I mean, we've, we've seen it uh, I mean, the it, last... I think probably if, any, if there are any American, uh, you know, Don or any other Americans that listen uh, who, who have you know, the, the correct reach and you want to find out if there's any high schools that want us to come out and, and you know, witness the, the rugby... Um, obviously, you'd have to put us up in a pretty nice hotel. Vegas is always nice. Um, LA, Vegas, cool. hi. Uh, oh, Beverly Hills, nine hundred two one zero. Exactly. If you want us to come out, you know, find us a nice hotel. Obviously, fly us out. We only fly first. Um, yeah. We'd be happy to come and uh, watch a few games and, and offer some comments. Give, give our expertise <laughs> advice. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'd have massive value. Yeah. But um, on that note, I think we're. I think we're good. Anything else from, from you, brother? No, I think that's probably a good place to, to call time. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, next week we will be, finally, we keep talking about it, but next week we will be giving, you know, making our predictions um, about the, the squad, yeah, sort of 24 hours before it's officially announced. So we can then come back the following week and see how close we got. And obviously yes. somewhere in amongst all that, we will try to pin down the pod doc. Uh, if he's not too busy saving lives. Yeah, God, God, I'm sick of his holy of a male attitude. Um, but guys, yeah, no, thanks very much for listening to the England Rugby Plod. The plod? Pod? <laughs> the place where leaders are born. <laughs> Correct. I mean, that, that actually, I'm changing the intro. Uh, yeah, guys, thanks for listening, as Dan says. Um, as always, uh, rate us, review us on iTunes. Uh, we're on Acast, we're on Spotify. Um, you'll know at least one of those because you're listening now um, share the love with friends and family what have you you can get in touch with us on Twitter Facebook uh, and anything else you can think of that we've thought of at England Rugby Pod uh, the website www.englandrugbypod.com or you can email us as someone did and I apologise I've forgotten your name but we did mention you last week and that's uh, englandrugbypod at gmail.com Andy his name was there you go. Yeah, and uh, one one final thing I just have to say, Miss Atkinberry, if you're listening, your elderflower cordial is absolutely amazing. Odd. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Cheers. Bye.